Today, I am thrilled to host the CEO of HR Talent and Systems Consulting, Yuri Kruman. Yuri is an author, a podcaster, a sought-after speaker, a Newsweek expert forum and Forbes Coaches Council member, and contributor to many top platforms. He has consulted, built L&D programs, and spoken at numerous Fortune 500, Fortune 500 and Inc. 5000 companies, VC-backed startups, and top universities, including, but not limited to, Google, Medtronic, Columbia, and the University of Pennsylvania. In addition, his executive leadership coaching practice has impacted thousands of top executives. He is the author of several books, including What Millennials Really Want from Work and Life, and Be Your Own Commander-in-Chief, which has led to his own podcast of the same name. Now, today, I've brought Yuri in to speak about some of the ideas that have changed his life, and we're going to hone in first and foremost on the idea of expectation management being one of the most underrated life skills. Welcome, Yuri, to Ideas That Change Lives. Beth, thank you very, very much. It's a very kind introduction. Um, first of all, I just have to, to say for all the listeners, um, you and your dear husband, Dave, are two of my very, very favorite people. I'm really sorry that we don't get to see each other all that often, but uh, that doesn't diminish that fact in any way. So thanks a lot for having me on. It's really great. Thank you. Thank you so much. We feel the same way right back at you. So this is a real treat. Um, now, I first encountered your ideas about this topic of expectation management in your Be Your Own Commander-in-Chief newsletter, and they really spoke to me because I have a lot of material on expectation management in my own book, Light at the Beginning of the Tunnel, as well. Mm -hmm. But while I talk about it in my book in terms of a skill to develop with your children and in your parenting, you really widen the scope to everyone in our personal lives, our work lives, our relationships. And you specifically mentioned that you would, when you were deep into writing part three of Be Your Own Commander-in-Chief, it dawns on you that managing expectations is undoubtedly one of the five most important subjects in your entire book. So my first question to start us off on this chat is, can you walk us through how you came upon this realization? Well, it was a long and stormy night. No, I mean, perhaps it was. I don't remember exactly. I don't know if it was... Um a eureka moment, so to speak. I think just over the years, I realized that <clears throat> maybe some background would be helpful. Um, so up to date, um, I have switched careers six times. I've been an immigrant. Um, I come from uh, I come from the Soviet Union. Yeah, I do actually. Um, and uh, you know, I had very different majors in college. I did uh, neuroscience and anthropology with some Hispanic studies mixed in. So. Else coming from my background of being an immigrant from the Soviet Union, um, you know, from a Jewish family where academic pretty much, I mean, quite frankly, it's not a nice to have, it's the way to get anywhere in life. If you're mm -hmm. back from the Union, if you're Jewish, that, that was the only way to become anything, you had to be mm -hmm. you know, either a doctor or a scientist, or, or you know, it's not like there were lawyers there. <laughs> So it was a pretty pretty narrow path. And for me, that's the primary set of expectations that I grew up with, meaning you have to prioritize academics. You know, you're not going to go and look for yourself after college. That's just not an option. 
You know, right. you need to go and make a life for yourself. And I'm not saying that this is terribly unique uh, just for immigrants who are Jewish from Russia. Of course, this is pretty common, I think, uh, universally, you know, in a certain on a certain level. But that's right. that's sort of the original set of things. You know, I'm coming from a, um, a family of two um, academic parents, um, you know, grew up with a single mom. Um, and from Kentucky. So a lot of a lot of things are really, really ratcheted up, if you will, in terms of expectations. It's it's kind of right. like you grow up feeling like you're the, you know, the great white hope. And right. It's, it's, it's just, it's crazy because I grew up with this, like, well, you're going to be my colleague. Well, what if I don't want to be your colleague? Well, you know, I, I, I didn't have the <laughs> the language or psychology to, to say that because I, I didn't, right. I didn't know what that's like. So that's, that's kind of the, the seed the seeding ground where expectations started. Right. You, you grew up with a whole, uh, a whole high chair of expectations. <laughs> oh, basically. Yes. That's correct. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, um, so then, so then it was yeah. pretty bold for you to switch careers so many times. Like how did you uh, manage to quiet those expectations and find your own way? Well, again, I just I want to make sure that um, listeners don't don't get the wrong idea. Again, this is not some sort of, uh, you know, aha moment where everything is magically um, you know, resolved while sitting on a mountaintop looking at the scenery. That's that's the work. Right. right. Over, over the course of many years of a lot of a lot of frustrations. Right. OK, so um, one other little detail after college, I mean, I had some debt, but it wasn't anything unusual, pretty, pretty average for that time. I went to grad school in neuroscience. And in that first year, I was like, look, um, how do I put this? I, I was politely asked to leave because it just clearly was not a good fit. And I had probably the closest I've come to, uh, to being depressed, optimistic and, and, you know, smiling person generally, but I just really was in the wrong place. So after that, right. okay, I need I need to do something with my life. Well, I, you know, I have to do grad school because otherwise, what what is this twiddling of the thumbs? So okay, I worked for a year as a paralegal, blah blah. I did some sales, some other crazy stuff, and then and what did I do in law school? I wrote my first novel. I worked, you know, in a hedge fund. I did personal injury for a summer. All kinds of crazy experiences. Worked at the New Yorker for a week. And I graduated in 2009, of course. And uh, okay, so there are no jobs and I'm not terribly good at this law stuff. Plus, I've got, you know, that quarter million debt hanging over my head. Living in New York. Right. Know, just, uh, just, just those few details. And, you know, so what I had to do was I had to start my professional life really already way behind. What does that mean? It means you're going to go for the highest paycheck because you got to pay back that debt. You know, I started a family at the same time. So I kind of already got into the rat race, having to run a lot faster and harder, already knowing that I kind of I kind of suck at this because I'm, I'm actually very good at humanities. And, you know, there's a reason why books. I came into this whole math and science and, and law thing with kind of a language and psychology mindset, which is just about just about bizarre, right? But I'm an immigrant. I got to do this. I got to suck it up. You know, all these kinds of scripts. At some point, you know, okay, I graduate. I, you know, I can't pass the bar for whatever reason. And I have to get into finance and work one consulting gig, another one, you know, just got married, had a first kid. So all the things are ratcheted up. Everything is just like completely leveraged to the wazoo, right? Just, just as things were in the financial sector at that time. And at mm -hmm. a certain point, you know, you, you go 
consulting gig and that ends and you have this like huge high and then you have a huge low again a huge high and then a huge low and that's that's incredibly stressful for a family incredibly stressful for one's sense of self who am i where am i going what is this whole crazy you know what is this path and at a certain point you just realize you know i can't win at this no matter what i do no matter how hard i work no matter how fast i run no matter how how much i you know talk my way into you know great opportunities uh, startups finance whatever i can't i can't just continue running for the sake of trying to outrun myself it will not work so mm, that's, I love that. that's yeah. the first yeah. you know, it's not like oh yeah one day I realized i have to get out of the rat race I was like no i was thrown out of the damn rat race <laughs> i was thrown right. on that escalator i was like, right okay, you don't belong here buddy like go go do something else so that's that's kind of a rude awakening that's that's the first really big push for me to go after you know i worked for several startups as well and then okay i um i kind of drank the kool-aid and i got burned and i burned and i burned and i burned and i said enough okay if there's one thing i'm good at it's it's like figuring out my story and helping to tell it for a particular audience right so that kind mm -hmm. of went into coaching anyway i was doing that that's my personality i always try to talk to people try to help them and i'm pretty good at it so i try my hand at business in this executive coaching i did that and then i'm like you know what how about like going to companies and helping them to prevent people from leaving by coaching them like, huh, that's kind of HR consulting. So I built a business on top of that as well. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's really kind of saying a lot of the detour is the way, in a way, right? When you expect something that's wildly different from who you are by nature, it's wildly different from what you feel internally about yourself, you're always going to be disappointed because it's somebody else's idea. It's your, it's the way you've been socialized. It's the way you've been raised in your family. It's just frankly right. compounded trauma over generations. And at a certain point, you kind of see this clearly and you say, enough, I, I refuse to do this because anyway, it's not, I have to feel like I'm doing my thing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think, um, I think expectation management you know, you touched on several of these within your story. They can really be split up into so many different facets. That's that's what's so fascinating about it. There's your expectations of others, your expectations of yourself, your expectations of your relationships, right? Not just mm -hmm. why we're in it, but what the what joy or fulfillment we, we think it's going to bring us being in certain relationships, right? Like, you know, yeah. you, you have a child and then you realize it's not all joy all the time. Someone once asked me what it's like to be a mother and I said everything, <laughs> right? There's yeah. panic, there's fear, there's immense joy, there's there's such a cornucopia of emotions, right? And then we have our expectations of our jobs or our passion projects even, right? And how yeah. simple or difficult we expect those things to be, right? How how many times have we been disappointed by something we think is going to be easy and it's so hard? Um, well, <laughs> you probably saw this, uh, I don't know, it's not a meme, it apparently really happened. You have uh, Marie, like, you know, she's the guru. Oh, I saw this, yes. And she yeah. had three kids and she said, Screw it. I can't. This is not serious. I can't. Yes. I love that she said her house is a mess. Yeah, I was like, okay, my job here is done. I'm, right, I'm right. 
You know what? And I think I think if we analyze that, her real principle was, you know, to to do things that to keep the things that spark joy. So I think she probably realized in her on the job being a parent that what sparked the most joy was not having such high expectations of having a pin straight home. Right. Like she was probably more more joyful just enjoying her children than than focusing so much on the mess. You know, it's funny. I have a very similar story. I remember um, I once had a guest over to my house for um, like a, it was a it was a, it was my daughter's bat mitzvah. And we had, you know, various guests. And one of the guests um, had her own little kids staying at our house. And um, during the afternoon, I saw her organize my toys in my basement. And what? she said, I'm so sorry. Um, like like this actually is good. Like I'm not doing this. It's not an inconvenience. It actually like makes me feel less stressed if things are organized. So like, I'm totally fine cleaning this up for you. And I was like, really? You're a guest. You really don't. I'm totally fine with my basement being a mess. My kids are playing with the toys. It doesn't bother me the mess. And she said, you know what? I so envy you because for me, you know, I, at night after my kids go to sleep, if I don't clean everything up, I can't just sit down to dinner with my husband until everything's cleaned up. And that's such a stress for you. If you don't mind it being a mess, you're actually happier. And I said, you know what? That's so fascinating to me. Cause I always go into the pin straight homes and think like they have it all going on, you know, but like yep. really that might come, come with a lot of anxiety. So um, and again, I think I think this all distills back to the expectations that we have of ourselves and others, right? Like, yep. for example, you know, I just mentioned all these different kinds of things people have expectations of internally, externally, relationships. For you, which of these do you struggle with or do you find that you get the most bang for your buck with working through your expectations of them, meaning your expectation management? It's a great question. I, I don't know if there's a, there's not a simple answer, right? There are things that are, I would say, very pressing, meaning every single day, you know, there's uh, the kind of stuff like, okay, if my number one priority is, I don't know, not to piss off my wife, because whatever, she's overworked, she's got a corporate job and, you know, three kids, etc. So if my priority is to make sure that, you know, her, her mental health is in place, that she's not stressed, etc. Well, then, okay, bloody hell, I'm going to throw everything to the side. I'm going to wash the dishes, take out the trash. I mean, just basic stuff, right? If it's mm-hmm. something that's a little bit more um, kind of in the back of my mind all the time, but, you know, something that is not pressing, pressing, like, I don't know, there's some uh, friend that's very close and I don't know, I feel like we're growing apart and there's some sort of resentment, something like that. You know, I, I know that sooner or later that's going to that's gonna blow up. So I, I try to manage it, but like, I, I think sometimes I've struggled over, over the years with just kind of surfacing things and being very direct with, with friends, because it's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, this, this has a lot of benefit. Like it's nice. You know, we know each other, we have a history, we understand each other. And it's like, you don't want to spoil that. Even if you know that there's something like, you know, there's something rotten in Denmark, if you will. And the truth is in the end, when you know that's the case, you know, it's going to blow up. Right. So you kind of like, just push it off, push it off, push it off until you can anymore until you just say, you know what the hell with this? this is my, my health, my perception of myself, this is a blocker to my progress. This is, this is actually a lot more serious than I thought. And so that's always a struggle because I think, you know, when, when you're in a profession, um, you know, like I am, I, I do executive coaching, right? I do HR. It's all about empathy, empathy, empathy. 
And at some point, you know, okay, I've gotten better over the years of being to myself as well. But mm-hmm. you, you also know that, okay, well, the older I get, the harder it is going to be to make new friends. So, like, maybe I don't want to blow that up. But you know in the end that it's it's going to blow up anyway. So, if you see something, say something. Right? Not, not, to, not to bring back the, the science from the New York subway. <laughs> right. Now it's, 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 it's applicable for life too, right? Sure, sure. Quite, quite directly. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. So, no, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. So... Meaning, so you sort of like, you, you juggle the expectations as the needs come up, right? And, um, yep. right. You know, I want to um, I wanna read a, uh, like a little portion of something that you wrote, because I think that this um, is so on, on point and insightful on the topic. And I want to discuss it with you for a minute. Sure. You talked about how when you put aside expectations you have of others, right? You wrote about a ser- you wrote up a series of questions a person can ask mm-hmm. themselves to go deeper on this issue. Yep. So you wrote let's zo- let's zoom out for a minute. What expectations do you have of yourself, right? So much so many times we're trying to manage other people's expectations and mm-hmm. we forget that a lot of our unhappiness right comes from our our our, our own expectations of ourselves, right? Yeah. So you wrote what expectations do you have of yourself? What expectations do you have of others? And only after that and I love this question. What expectations do others have of you? Mm. Right? Sometimes we're forgetting that the, the expectations that are being projected upon us. So you continue with, why is it that you might be a perfectionist? Perhaps uh-huh. your parents criticized you a lot. Maybe you're always comparing yourselves to others and are not satisfied. Yep. Why is it that you expect others to be as sensitive to your needs as you are to theirs? Or conversely, mm-hmm. why do you expect others to be as cynical as you, right? Given some difficulty yep. in your life, you, you, you give an example of a recent breakup, right? You expect everyone to be so sensitive just because you're in a sensitive spot. Yep. So you, you end with quickly, we start to uncover an entire layer of the subconscious messing with what we expect from ourselves and other people. It's a hard excavation, and what you uncover is often ugly and messy. But as mm-hmm. Justice Louis Brandis once said, light is the best disinfectant. So powerful, Yuri. I really, I loved this passage so much. Can you give me an example of what we can do once we realize how much our subconscious is messing with our expectations? Great question. I love that you asked it. It's, it's a process, right? It would be intellectually dishonest of me to say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, so gung-ho and uncovering everything with light. I think, I've, I frankly, I've been punched in the face a lot, right? There's a, that good uh, Mike Tyson quote, everyone has a plan until they get punched. <laughs> right, right. You know, I can, I can bring in so many elements of a sob story, you know, okay, I grew up with a single mom and I'm an immigrant and, you know, a host of daddy issues and blah, blah, blah. I can, I can do that, right? I mean, it's there. It's real. It's not, I don't mean to minimize it. It's all this stuff is very painful, but okay. You know, um, I don't also like looking out in the world. Okay. I'm not, I'm not from a country where I was starving, where I had zero chance either. Right. I mean, I came from a culture of education, et cetera. So it's, it's not the, the first step is saying, ah, okay, well, there's always someone worse off than me. Okay. But that's really also superficial because you're also looking left and right. Mm-hmm. At a certain point when you're exposed to high standards, high standards doesn't always mean 
okay, somebody pushes you. Maybe it's a mentor, a professor, it's, you know, your favorite uncle who gives you tough love. I don't know what it is, right? Somebody really pushes you. And again, they may not even know that they're pushing you. They just say, hey, you know what? There's this principle of stoicism or hell knows what, you know, that you must do this and this and this. And sometimes something activates you because we know that, um, you know, <laughs> speech is kind of like a particle. It, it, it can activate or de deactivate something inside you. Mm -hmm. It hits you and you don't even know why, because like, okay, I'm an adult. Like, okay, I've studied enough philosophy or whatever. Like, why is this really hitting me at this, at this moment? And sometimes it causes a particular change. It causes a phase where you go on an exploratory mission about yourself. And maybe you get punched again and again and again. Something doesn't work out. And you're looking, like, imagine, I use this um, analogy in the book elsewhere. Imagine that your life path is having you try to get into the middle of a labyrinth, okay? So that might be some kind of, you know, tremendous success in your chosen field. Or it might be, you know, that your focus is on making your marriage the most amazing that it can be. Or whatever, whatever pursuit you have. You're trying to get into the center of that labyrinth where the treasure lies. Okay. And you spend an inordinate amount of time because this is your mission. This is your everything, right? More or less trying to figure out how the hell do you get in the center? And you keep getting lost. You keep trying to look for clues. You get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit closer, a little bit closer. Sometimes you have setbacks. Something doesn't work out. Something doesn't fit your criteria, whatever. Right. But the point is, sooner or later, if you're really, really intent on figuring out how to get into the center of the labyrinth, you've got to figure out the way the system works. You've got to figure out the architecture of how this was built. You need to understand the builder. Mm -hmm. and so whether, you know, you come in and say, OK, God, why are you putting me through this? Right. That's sometimes the first step, because, you know be so frustrated and fed up and like nothing's working this career didn't work out this job didn't work out this relationship blew up whatever right when you have this continuous series of frustrations or things don't work out the way you expect because you grew up with romantic ideals or someone fed you some nonsense about your personality not really knowing you right these are all really kind of going inside your own labyrinth right because it's it's a mirror process as well if you want to get to the middle of that labyrinth of external success you need to do the same internally and it's extremely extremely difficult because again you you face some very ugly things you know you grow up thinking oh well i'm I have an engineering mind and you know i'm very consistent and i always do this at this time and then you realize oh my god because because i'm so systematic the fact is that what happens under that is a real, you know, lack of focus on other areas of my life. So I'm mm -hmm. substituting structure for thoroughness, for kind of a breadth of working on myself. That's, that's where things can get really ugly, but they also kind of touch the bottom. And at the bottom, you only have up, you know, upwards to look. So, mm -hmm. you know, Long story short, that kind of internal labyrinth uh, cracking, if you will, is the only way to find out what's really hiding on the way to that golden side, if you will. It's very much internal as much as, as it is for external persons.
Got it. So you're saying that um, we really have to work on the expectations we have of ourselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, in parallel to, you know, navigating our expectations of the world. Um, yeah, there's, there's a simple kind of uh, many stories around this, but let's say um, a, a lady comes to um, a rabbi with her little son and, um, you know, like, oh, he eats too much sugar. Rabbi, you know, tell him, tell him something. He's like, come back in two weeks. Okay. Um, so, okay. He comes back in two weeks. He's like, look, I couldn't say anything because I myself was eating too much sugar. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So I think a lot of that, when, when you have that kind of reflexive, um, I don't know, maybe, hopefully it's a sense of decency or conscientiousness. I don't know what, what exactly to call it, but let's say you have that sense that I, I, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. If, if hypocrisy is one of the worst um, sins to you, so to speak, right, then you're forced to look internally before you render judgment on someone because, well, you right. don't want to be that guy or that girl, right? So right. that forces you to have this kind of back and forth, back and forth. And you realize, you know, okay, if I'm, if I, with all of my engineering and all of my supposed consistency and regularity and whatever, in the way I treat people, blah, blah, blah. If I myself am inconsistent, how in the hell can I possibly expect other people to be consistent? How, it's so how true. Can I do that, you know? Right. It's so true. We're so quick to not only judge others, but expect things from others. But when we look internally, are we, are we, um, are we meeting those same metrics, right? Are we really being the kind of person we're expecting that other person to be? So many people do this with their children too, right? (laughs) You know, and like when a child has a tantrum, it's such a big deal, but adults have tantrums all the time, right? Like, are we behaving ourselves all the time? (laughs) Um, They fool me. They fool me. Yeah. And, you know, in in my book, I really um, talk about this a lot, too, specifically because, you know, one, working on expectation management with our children is important, right, in terms of them building that life skill. Like, if we, if we, again, instead of the old story, instead of fixing the problem, if we, you know, build a healthy system, it's always better. But I think just in terms of communication also, like, we not only do we expect children, you know, to sort of be at standards we don't always hold ourselves to, but also a lot of times we're very unclear with them about our expectations. And because of that, um, you know, we're really their first, um, we're really their first reality of the world. So we just sometimes assume they know things that they don't, right? So like a classic, classic examples when someone, you know, says to their children, I need you to behave. You know, we're going here, let's say we're going to the park and I need you to behave. Well, that's way too general. What what does behaving mean to you, the parent that's going to be judging them in the park, right? So you yeah. need to say, okay, I expect you to, you know, go plan the equipment. And if you need me, you can come, come get me. If I happen to be talking to another adult, you know, maybe put your hands on my arm for a minute and then I'll come to you instead of, you know, pulling down my skirt in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you know, and that are also, you know, it, it's two pieces. One, being clear with what it means for us in any situation that we're telling them to behave. And two, mm-hmm. also giving them um, practical um, practical um, things that they can do, right, in a troubleshooting situation, mm-hmm. right? Like we take even at, even at home, you know, this is a classic example in my book. You tell your child, you know, at the dinner table to not be a slob. Okay, well, what does that mean, right? Like they're just eating how they know how to eat. They're learning to eat. 
So yeah. you can tell them, you know, I expect you to put your dishes away after, to clean up any crumbs under your seat, to put away any condiments you took out. Again, that's just giving them very actionable and enforceable statements to communicate your expectations. And I think that the more clear we can be, you know, in our in our own within our own families about our expectations, we can then into the ones that care about us the most, the more easy it is to then widen the scope to other areas of our lives, right? Where you know, interpersonally with adults too. Like how many times is, let's say someone's mad at you and you don't even know why, because they had some expectation that you didn't even know you were supposed to meet. Um, So Mm -hmm. I I think so many relationships could be improved and so many problems could be avoided if people were just clearer about what they wanted at work, in life, in a relationship with the other party. Um, Exactly. So, passive, you brought up a very good point. I think a very important part of what happens in practice is, you know, we may come with very uh, clear and clean ideals, but in practice, I think too many people, frankly, are passive aggressive, right? There's there's just that sort of thing. You don't really know what you're getting or, you know, there's some kind of uh, uh, something under the surface and that you always have to be decoding. And imagine how much energy and time goes into that process. Yes, you can also have the opposite where, I don't know, you marry someone who's uh, just completely transparent or you move to a country where everyone is very transparent. I'm speaking for myself here. Uh-huh. Uh, you move to Israel and, you know, there's uh, especially, I mean, imagine, right? You kind of come from an academic background. Uh, then uh, you have the kind of training in the U.S. Then you marry someone from a different culture and language and, and child rearing style. And you move to yet another country where everything is like, seemingly uh, a, a total chaos, right? And and what do you learn in the process? To laugh at yourself, you're in deep trouble. That's number one. <laughs> For sure. Number two, you learn to be extremely, extremely direct yourself, not necessarily in a rude way. You just, you learn to verbalize a lot of things that you just didn't have uh, a way to get yourself when you were a kid. And, you, you know, that's, that's how you start battling a lot of these issues. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, this is not going to make me popular anywhere because especially in America, it's like, well, you know, we're, we're, we're pro-life, we're tax-paying citizens. And no, trust me, it, it's, it's not going to end up well if there's not some direct directness. So how does, yeah. how does that look for me in, in terms of child rearing? Again, I'm not calling myself uh, necessarily, you know, I try to be the best father of me. I do my best. I, I don't really care what it looks like. It doesn't. I, I'm just trying to be effective. That's, that's my approach. So what do I do with my kids? I tell them, and again, this is vastly, completely 180 degrees different from the way I was. I just tell them, look, kids, I screw up a lot as well. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. I, you know, I try things in business. I, I'm trying my best to raise you in the way that I think is the best for you to live a wholesome and productive um, and, you know, worthwhile life. So I'm, I'm doing my best with what I have. I'm going to mess up. And I will tell you when I mess up. I'm, I'm going to be very, very about that. And again, yeah. it's like doing this is, is completely against the grain of how I grew up, which was very passive aggressive, which was very kind of, you know, structured and everything. It's all about winning, a, you know, I don't know, Nobel Prize, making it to Carnegie Hall. Otherwise, you're, you're nothing. And I know right. that that stuff is ruinous because it damn well near ruined me. 
So right. I just give them that perspective. I say, hey, you know, kids, I'm trying my best. You know, I, I sometimes I'm going to screw up. I just, you know, I, I would rather you be direct. I want to give you the words to explain what's on your mind. Okay. Yes. I love that, Yuri. I think that's so great because we'll say you're showing them that it's okay to fail or it's okay to make a mistake and you're modeling the kind of grit that we want our children to have. So even, even beyond, you know, take, take your, your mother's expectations of you to meet a certain very specific metric. You're telling your children, it's okay, you can mess up, but I want you to be able to get up and continue, which is very different. It's a very wider, it's a much wider expectation um, that that makes it much easier to meet also instead of I need you to be at Carnegie Hall by the time you're 18 right yeah, or the Nobel exactly. Prize is that the Nobel Prize is not going to get younger you know <laughs> exactly. you're gonna say. Exactly. it's saying I just want you to be someone who has grit and can can keep keep striving to reach their goal exactly. um, just make progress that's I think that's one of the things that was missing from Again, I'm not here to, I'm not criticizing certainly my parents, God forbid, I'll be ridiculous. Oh, we for sure up, not. We all mess right. up our kids in ways that we don't know, and I, I will not know until much later, which I've messed up my kids, and I'm sure I have. But, you know, my priority is not to say, hey, you know what, oh, it's all about the grade, because I know that good grades usually mean, okay, you've got a, you know, great job, but, like, you're probably miserable. Probably, not always. And so doesn't mean that my way or the highway it just means that be aware of all the possibilities. Don't just fall into the trap of good boy, good girl, you're obedient and how the system works and you never make it beyond. Right. You, 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 if you're going to have a worthwhile life, you have to be able to step outside the system or outside the labyrinth. Yeah. Right. Right. It's it's how you put it also in your, in, in, you know, in your writing, expectations manage you unless you manage them. So, you know, if you want to have a clear sight of, you know, where to go through the labyrinth, right, where you want to go next, you have to be the one in control and not, you know, having other things control you. Um, so I would love to end with um, an exercise you recommended um, that you wrote about also, because I think it's great in the expectation arena. Um, so I'm going to share it with my audience. So you wrote, how about trying that you have zero expectations of your mate, your boss, your coworkers, your friends, and zero, yes, zero expectations of yourself. So in other words, I would love for all of you out there to try Yuri's exercise. Pick a, pick something in your life. It, it can be, you know, for a day, it could be for one conversation, it could be for one night out, whatever it is, to have zero expectations in that situation. And just try to see how things play out without the expectations. Now, you can, re you can, you can reinstate the expectations right after, but I think it really is a breath of fresh air. Um, and I've tried this exercise, and I found it to be a breath of fresh air. So um, I think it's a wonderful suggestion, Yuri, and I'm, I'm glad you suggested it. Yeah, one of the things that I always tell um, my coaches, uh, people that I work with, is look, it, it, what is the profile? It's usually people that are, you know, very serious. They're very good at what they do. You know, they've always kind of grown up to be the the good boy, good girl. They've grown up with some kind of relatively uh, strict guidelines for behavior and achievement and all of that stuff. So for for them, it's often very hard to go off script. Yes it's hard for them to kind of get out of their natural inclinations because 
you know, they're very serious, sober people. And one thing I recommend is, again, I think for some listeners, this will hit a chord. You know, if you're, if you're not necessarily gregarious, if your voice does not magically inflect um, every time you speak, <clears throat> it's okay. It's not the end of the world. But try, you know, do something that is maybe out of character, not something like you go get, you know, drunk and I don't mean like that. Maybe you go out and you do, I don't know, stand-up comedy and then just see what happens. Like, what, what's the worst thing? Someone doesn't laugh, you laugh at it yourself. Really doing something earth-shattering. But for yourself, you, you break through your own ice. You break through your own yourself. That you blow harder that you... you told that your whole life because of the way you look or the way you act. So you break through it and the field is green. Go, go enjoy Yes, exactly. Once we break down the high walls of expectations, we're able to see a whole new vista. Um, so, Yuri, thank you so much. This was so informative, and I think all of all of the listeners have a lot of uh, practical take homes. And uh, we really appreciate you joining us today. <laughs>